Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Paul LeFavor, and uh, you're listening to the Pinelander Podcast, the podcast for America's Warriors. Today, we're uh, talking about something I think should be important to everybody. And uh, if it isn't, uh, you might want to make it more uh, your uh, central central part of your of the importance in your life. And that is handling money. Uh, you spending money is easy to do. Uh, holding on to it and uh, using it for the future is a lot harder. Uh, but fortunately, today we're we're talking uh, with an expert on that uh, about how to handle our finances in today's financial uncertain and crazy uh, times. Uh, with Nick Jim Bruno, uh, Nick, welcome. Hey guys, great to be with you. Yeah, Nick is uh, the uh, editor in chief of the Financial Underground Speculator and the Financial Underground. Uh, his network is, you know, looking to help people like us. So if you're tuning in, uh, this is probably a good time to, to uh, grab some pencil and paper and uh, learn a lot. That's right. For, for, for those uh, familiar with uh, unconventional warfare, this is Mr. Green. You know, we're, <laughs> we're bringing in Mr. Green. So, um, you know, Nick, we've talked in the past um, on the podcast about the importance of sort of um, getting your financial house in order and, you know, I think we focused more on kind of uh, not wasting our money, you know, trying to get out of debt, you know, getting the credit cards paid off. Um, think about, you know, where our money is is being spent and wasted and trying to eliminate uh, some of those problems. But today, but what I really want, what we wanted to bring you in, Nick, was because, you know, okay, so now, you know, now we've kind of tackled the debt part of it, you know, now we start to think about where we put the money, uh, because I've I've heard it said uh, that in tumultuous times wealth doesn't disappear; it just changes hands. So uh, maybe you know we thought we'd bring you in today, and you can kind of help us with that. Like, you know, obviously, you know, putting your money in a savings account at the local bank is you know might not be the best uh, choice today. Well, yeah, that's right. Um, and it is a perilous time. It's probably the most perilous time, uh, not just financially, we're looking geopolitically, socially, uh, the internal situation that has people have seen in, in a long time, in generations possibly. But for money, I always like to start with the basics. Um, people get uh, confused unnecessarily. I mean, you don't need a PhD to know about money. Money is very simple and intuitive. It's simply a technology for transporting value through time and space, or in other words, to something that's useful for storing and exchanging value. That's all it is. Money is not, that's it. That's not more, comp, doesn't need to be more complicated than that. It's just something that stores value and can exchange value. And if you look over time, uh, you know, people have used um, throughout history, many different things of money. You know, they used to use uh, salt is money. That's where the word salary comes from. It's from the root word of, of sal in, in uh, Latin. So people used to be paid in salt uh, and use salt as money. People have used cattle as money, uh, but m most prominently, uh, it uh, has always come back to gold and silver to a lesser degree uh, as, as the ideal forms of money throughout history and throughout different civilizations. Um, it doesn't matter where you were in the world or really when it, it happened is people always went back to gold and silver as ideal forms of money. Um, but that's not what we have today. We have uh, fiat money, which is basically money that uh, politicians create out of uh, thin air and force everybody else to use. It's really a, a degraded situation, uh, quite frankly. It's a terrible situation because the uh, government paper is a, a horrible way to store value uh, because it continuously gets debased. Um, it may be convenient for exchanging value, but storing value, it's, it's horrendous. Uh, and, I, you know, one of the things I do, I travel around the world a lot, and uh, most 
countries, you know, the U.S. dollar is the best, of course, in the world uh, in terms of government currencies. They're all worse from the U.S. dollar. It gets worse from there. So if you look at places in South America, in Africa, in other parts of Asia, they, they don't save in in government currencies because they lose, you know, a lot of their value every year. So they look at other things for savings. They save money and uh, in, in real estate. Uh, this is not an optimal way to do things. You shouldn't really need to save money in real estate. You should be simply be able to save money in money. And that's how it, it used to be, uh, you know, uh, a couple generations ago. Uh, but I think it's I think I think the history of money and understanding what money is this really is the foundation because if you don't have that foundation everything else is going to be you know it, it's not going to make sense so I think it's very important to start with that foundation and uh, the U S uh, as a country has a rich history in this and a very good history in, in terms of uh, enshrined uh, in, in the Constitution uh, most people don't know this but in the Constitution. It defines what money is. It's uh, simply a weight of uh, gold and silver is what the dollar is supposed to be. Um, but of course, that has changed over the years. And if you you know you look at the history of of things, um, we have now a central bank that issues uh, fiat currency. It's actually the third central bank. Most people don't realize the Federal Reserve is actually the third incarnation of a central bank uh, in the United States. There were two other ones uh, that existed prior to the Federal Reserve, uh, but they were uh, shut down uh, amid a public uh, uproar over uh, them debasing the currency and engaging in all sorts of financial uh, fraud and chicanery. So I think uh, that is, you know, I don't want to get too off into a tangent, but I think that kind of gives you an idea of, of where we can start. So I, I would start with that. I would start with just understanding where, what money is and kind of how it fits into uh, the proper history and where we are today. So uh, I can go more into this, or if you want to uh, talk about a different topic, just let me know. No, I, th I think that's the logical place to start because um, I, I, I think that's – a lot of people are not aware of kind of like what money is. I mean, I think they – you know, most of us grew up with the U.S. dollar. Um, that's the only thing we, you know, understand. It's the only thing we know. We're not quite too sure what it is, but we know it works. When we go down to the store, uh, we, we get a job. We, they, you know, they pay us in U.S. dollars. So I think that's the logical place to start is kind of like just understanding what money is. And uh, kind of like um, what you were talking about, uh, where are some of these other things come into play, like, you know, gold and silver and, and some of these other stores of value that we've, that we've used uh, traditionally over time. Yes, well, certainly. So, um, uh, you know, the, what we have now, and this is, this is unfortunate. It's not just for Americans. It's throughout the whole world. Most of humanity uh, kind of just thoughtlessly accepts what the government gives uh, their citizens as money and thinks that that's money. But this is patently absurd. Uh, money doesn't have to come from government. Money uh, should emerge from a free market process. I mean, it's almost as ridiculous if you transported yourself back to the Soviet Union and you asked uh, the average uh, Soviet citizen, where do the shoes come from? And they would say, well, the government factories make the shoes. Where, where else could the shoes come from? I mean, but it's, it's kind of the same kind of mentality. When you ask most people about money, they say, oh, the government gives us money. Well, they give you inferior money because they give you a form of money that can be debased at will. I always liken it to this. Um, what, what, you, what we have with government money and fiat money, which just means money that's uh, created by decree, uh, what you have here, it's very similar. Imagine if Al Capone, uh, in his, he had a neighborhood, you know, he's a gangster, he's a mobster, uh, and he de decreed in his neighborhood that pieces of paper with Al Capone's signature on it were the only form of money you could use. And he would uh, enforce this with violence. And he would say, if you don't use my piece of paper with my signature, something that caught, you know, he can create with no effort uh, as money, uh, well, my thugs are going to pay you guys a, a visit. Um, so that's kind of what is going on today, except on a much, much, much larger uh, scale. So I think um, saving in government money really uh, is a bad idea. Uh, unfor unfortunately, it shouldn't be this way. It should just be where you could earn money and save money. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not really the case anymore. Um, you can't really just save money because it continuously loses value. I mean, like I was saying before, the U.S. is probably the, the U.S. dollar is the best of all the fiat currencies. They're all uh, not 
good money in my opinion, but uh, the least worst is the U.S. dollar. Uh, but even that, the U.S. dollar, even by the own, government's own uh, inflation numbers, is losing a ton of money per year, excuse me, a ton of purchasing power per year. And those numbers are definitely understated. Those inflation official government statistics almost certainly uh, understate how much purchasing power you're losing. I don't have to tell you. Anybody can just go to the grocery store and see, well, can I buy as much as I used to a year ago, two years ago, three years ago? And how does that uh, match up with what they're telling me what inflation is? It absolutely doesn't. I, I, I So... Um, yeah, so it, 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 back in the day, people could just have a savings account and save in, uh, in that savings account. Uh, that That is kind of out the window. And uh, the reason it's out the window is because a uh, big way that government finances itself is through printing money. And this is just horrible because it's basically a, an insidious uh, tax on people who save money. Uh, you shouldn't be able to debase the currency to uh, pay for uh, things that you otherwise don't through taxation. Uh, but nonetheless, that is the system we have today. And it is it is going to be much, much more severe because the spending is really out of control. Um, and they really can't tax much more. Uh, so they really only have the option of printing money. And that means it's going to be a tax on, on savers. So it's a very, very dangerous, op uh, dangerous uh, situation for people um, who want to save and particularly people closer to retirement who have a nice a retirement nesting that could uh, very easily be inflated away. So that's kind of the environment, the big picture of the environment we're, we're looking at. And uh, there are solutions. So we can talk about that too. Yeah. And I, and I think we, we can transition over to that because um, I, th I think, you know, everyone has seen all the prices of goods go up. Um, you know, you talked about inflation and, and uh, of course the, the big one that everyone's really noticing uh, right now, of course, uh, besides uh, the normal day-to-day -day things like groceries and gasoline and what have you, is uh, the home the home prices, housing prices. Um, but the really the house the house isn't really worth any more than what it was say a year ago. It's just taking more dollars now to purchase it, and it, isn't that kind of what inflation is? It's just a matter that the the dollar itself just does not have the same power that it used to. Yes, it, it, that is. Uh, it hits on it. Uh, but you know, here's an interesting thing um, uh, that is uh, gets at this because if you look at the classical definition of inflation, if you look at any kind of economics book or even the dictionary, uh, maybe 30 years ago or a little bit earlier. There is a very specific definition for inflation. Inflation is simply an increase in the money supply. And it's a logical uh, thing, too, because when you inflate something, think about like inflating a balloon. You, it's to expand it. Uh, and it means an expansion of the money supply. Well, they've kind of changed the definition of it. And it's, it's really kind of uh, sneaky and, and propaganda, in, in my opinion. And they changed the definition of inflation uh, from uh, an increase in the money supply to an increase in the general price level, which is basically something they can really cherry pick and manipulate. And, uh, and then it, you don't make when you when inflation is redefined to a, an increase in the general price level, you don't really make a lot of people don't make that connection between the money printing and the expansion of the money supply and the uh, increase in prices. They just think it's, oh, it's the fault of the uh, butcher. He's charging too much for his meat. Or it's the gas station owner. He's charging too much for his gas. Uh, it's, it's really not. It's the, it's the money printer who, who is at fault for a lot of these, uh, these, these price increases. So um, I think it's important to have a proper understanding of what inflation is, where it comes from. Because one thing I see in the, in the media and, in, in, uh, and just in general in academia is there is a lot of misinformation and propaganda about inflation. And, and they, they mainly do it to confuse people because they, uh, there's a lot of people who benefit from inflation. The people who are closest to the money printers, it's something called the Cantillon effect, which is uh, basically the people and institutions who are closest to the money printing, they benefit from this because they get the new money first before it's been kind of filtered out into the economy and, and hurts everybody else. So there are certainly winners in inflation. Um, it's not really a fair thing. It's, it's really taxation without representation, frankly, because you're taxing savers in a kind of surreptitious and secret way. So uh, that's what's going on here. And I, and I hate to say it, but I think the inflation is going to get much, much worse. So I think people need to prepare accordingly. One of the things that I noticed, I just got back from Africa 
uh, recently. And uh, for, for those that travel uh, quite a bit, um, you know, we know that, you know, in, in times past, you know, you could pretty much go anywhere and the U.S. dollar was, you know, you could use the U.S. dollar. It was, it was uh, highly sought after. Um, but one of the things that, that I'm noticing in some of these countries that I go to is that when, when the dollar is suffering, uh, those, you really see those economies suffer in their own currencies. Um, for instance, the Quacha. Uh, or any other of uh, the rand, or any other type form of currency that uh, is is uh, tied to uh, the dollar, um, we see that as the dollar um, loses value and is hurt, uh, a lot of these other economies uh, are getting hurt as well in their own currencies. Oh, absolutely! The U.S. dollar is just the least worst of bad options out there. It all gets worse from the U.S. dollar, um, so they're all they're all bad. Uh, yeah, you know, that's why people, they're forced to save in suboptimal savings vehicles and suboptimal stores of value. I mean, nobody should really need to use a house as a store of value. You should just need a house to be a house for housing. shouldn't also simultaneously need to be a piggy bank for people. But uh, the currencies have been so destroyed that they've been kind of forced into putting money into real estate uh, and other items, but real estate more prominently. As a, as a savings vehicle, because there's just no other option for people in a practical sense. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, um, I think, uh, so what is the, the root of the problem is, is currency debasement. And it's just a really, I, I mean, I travel around the world a lot and see this. I think it's, it, it's irresistible for any government, whether it's the U.S. government, the Argentine government, the uh, Zambian government, the Zimbabwean government. It's all the same. They all want the money printer. It's like a magic uh, financing device, and they love it until it causes too much inflation and the currency blows up. Uh, but that is really the crux of the problem. Is, is giving politicians the money printer. That's a horror. I think historians you don't even need to be a historian. You can see it today. It's it's one of the most disastrous uh, financial uh, changes that have happened over the past few generations. Previously, uh, gold was money, and currencies were a representation of gold. Um, so that slowly went away in the U.S. Unfortunately, um, and it really the last link to gold was severed in 1971. Um, so ever since then, the dollar has just been a floating abstraction. It's just been fiat money. And I think you can see a lot of our troubles uh, can be, financial troubles can be traced uh, back back to that uh, fundamental and fateful uh, decision to sever the dollar's link to gold. Well, well Nick, what's a guy supposed to do now? I mean, um, you know, you're, you're working a job, you're, you're, you're saving your money, you're taking a portion of your, your earnings and you're, 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 you're stuffing it away. Um, obviously, you know, sticking it in a savings account now is probably not the answer with the, with the, with the, uh, the fact that uh, the currency is being debased and in, in the inflation. So you're really having to do something else with these dollars now if you're able to save some money. Yes. Uh, let me just say, comment real quick on the banks. This, it's actually worse than what you have just portrayed it because um, uh, the banks, I, I always simplify it to this. Most people don't know three things about money and bank accounts. Um, I always simplify it to this. It's not yours, it's not there, and it's not money. So just remember those three things about money in a bank account. It's not yours, it's not there, and it's not money. So let's, let me just go through these real quick. It's not yours. Uh, when you put money into a bank account, that's not your money anymore. Legally and technically speaking, it's the bank's money. And what you own instead is an IOU from J.P. Morgan or an IOU from uh, Bank of America or an IOU from Citibank. Uh, it's not the same at all the same thing as cash in hand. Uh, so they, they, what you have is an IOU, and they may not be able to make that IOU for whatever reason. Maybe they're insolvent. Maybe they don't like uh, a book you wrote or an article that you wrote. Uh, it's really getting to that point, unfortunately. So the money is, it, and legally speaking, it's not yours. Once you've handed it over to the bank, it is no longer your money. It is legally the bank's money. And you have an I, when you pop up your bank account online, that's not your money. That's what you actually have is an IOU. Uh, so that's very, very, very different than having physical cash in your hand. And I think most people don't understand that difference, but it's a very crucial difference. Uh, number two, the money isn't even there. 
So if you the banks practice something that I, I find to be uh, completely fraudulent, it's called fractional reserve banking. It's a fancy way of calling it a Ponzi scheme. Uh, really what it is is banks are able to uh, loan out money and give people the impression that the money is there when it's really not. Uh, if you had maybe 5%, definitely 10% of depositors come to the bank and say, I'd like my money, please, I'd like to withdraw it, they couldn't do it because they've loaned it out and pyramided it out several times over. So even if even if you think the money, uh, even if the you, you know the money in the bank uh, isn't yours, but you really want to withdraw it, uh, you can you can probably withdraw it. But if everybody withdrew it, not even everybody, if a small fraction of the depositors withdrew it at the same time, that money's just simply not there because the bank has engaged in uh, fractional reserve uh, uh, banking, and all banks do that. And then uh, the third is, is it's not money. <laughs> we were talking about before fiat money. It's it's fake money. It's it's uh, fiat money that they create out of thin air and in unlimited quantities. Um, so but that is not a very comforting uh, thing to come to an understanding about. But it's the truth. That's absolutely the truth about banks uh, in in the world today. Uh, so no, I don't view them as safe uh, custodians uh, for your hard-earned savings. I I. I I, look, it's it's we're in a, we're going through a very difficult period. Um, so what do you do as an alternative? I would say as a concept, you don't want to store your your you save your money or store your life force, your economic life force in something that somebody else can create with no effort. It's that's just a general concept. So I would not want to store my. It, it's almost like. It's, putting money into the government currencies in the bank is it's almost you know like storing your money in frequent flyer miles or arcade tokens it's a little bit obviously it's different than that because but it's but it's not conceptually that much different because well the government can just create as much dollars or as many quachas or pesos as they want just as as chuck e cheese can create as many arcade tokens as they want or delta can create as many sky miles as they want so what you want to do is you want to store your your economic life force into something that somebody else cannot make easily traditionally that's been gold gold has been the best way to do that and i continue to believe i think uh, for long-term savings for something that you're not going to need to touch for years, uh, long-term savings. I think gold is physical gold is fantastic. Um, I would recommend. I highly recommend physical gold as as a long-term savings. And ideally, it's in your possession, or you put it into uh, a trusted uh, vault, a non-bank vault. And uh, I think that is a much much superior way to uh, to to save for the long-term physical gold. Hey, so I got a question for you, Nick. Uh, somebody who's uh, I'm picking up a lot of what you're saying. I'm a guy that's uh, have has used the age-old method of a savings account when I haven't blown through it all. Uh, you know, as a younger guy, I live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, so uh, I have now that I'm uh, 51, I have a little bit of a clue. Uh, but here, here's my question: Can you walk somebody like me, who is probably 99% of uh, uh, the listeners, walk us through like an actual actionable investment philosophy Now you mentioned gold but like something else like somebody just give us a clue right now having said what you did laid the groundwork what would be the first way the first thing that we need to do to kind of get started well gold coins are very gold is not cheap it's almost two thousand dollars an ounce uh you know for an ounce of bullion coin Um, what i would do is i would Take your excess money that you don't need for long-term savings and look to save it in physical gold and silver coins, bullion coins. Um, that's what I would do. Don't get into collector coins. That's just you know uh, too confusing and complicated. You're just going into bullion coins. That's what you want. You don't want these collector coins. You want the bullion. That's what you're going after. So a silver coin is much more, a one-ounce silver coin is much more uh, reasonable and affordable. Um, and the ones I recommend uh, would be the American uh, gold eagle coins. They come in gold and silver, or the Canadian maple leaf, or some kind of uh, sovereign uh, internationally recognized coin. Those are my two favorite, though. I, I like the maple leaf, which comes from Canada, and I like the gold, the eagle, the gold and silver eagle, which uh, the U.S. Mint uh, produces. They're fantastic. Um, and what you can do is you can find a local coin store that's near you, uh, get to know the guy there. You can buy it in person. You can buy it in cash. There's plenty of uh, websites uh, available, too, where they can you can buy it and they'll ship it to you. Um, 
I would recommend people have some physical gold with them. Uh, then, you know, that also, you know, uh, represents another problem too, because you have to secure that. That is uh, something you have to secure. You don't just want to uh, maybe keep a bunch of gold coins laying around the house. So you might want to look at, uh, at putting it into a uh, safe deposit box or a vault at some place. And there are certainly services uh, that, that allow you to do that uh, with ease. So my, a couple of my favorites, I, I use something called, and I can send you guys the link to it as well if you're interested. It's called SWP Cayman. Uh, it's a uh, company in the Cayman Islands that is, specializes in gold, gold, gold and silver storage. There's also goldmoney.com. Uh, these are just some examples of, of companies that facilitate this. But certainly, um, I would have a little, you know, save a little physical uh, gold uh, on your, you know, in your home. And then, you know, for larger amounts, uh, use some of these uh, services. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you this, um, you know, cryptos, crypto obviously is all the rage. You know, everyone, there's, there's people who just, you know, believe in crypto. And of course, you know, we've, we've been going through the, um, the FX and some of the other horror stories from the crypto uh, world. Um, to, I, I'm, I'm leery of crypto because crypto to me is just, you know, ones and zeros on a computer. And it's just, I'm one of these guys I like to be able to touch and feel, you know, my money, if you will. Um, but uh, I also recognize that, you know, this is probably the way of the future. And it's, it, 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 it probably some of the mystery, if, if you, if you take some of the mystery out of it, 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 it maybe makes more sense um, in the crypto world. Maybe you, you have any thoughts on crypto or, and, and, and uh, you know, is there good crypto and bad crypto? And, and is this, is crypto safe? And, and, you know, is it something that's usable? Oh, certainly, yes. This is a very important topic. I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, I focus a lot on this, and I, I, the single most important thing to understand, and I can explain this, but uh, I, I want to get this point across because it will save a lot of uh, pain and uh, loss and time. What you want to do with crypto is there's only one crypto that matters, and that's uh, Bitcoin, frankly. Now, all the other cryptos don't matter, and I'll tell you why. Because Bitcoin is the only one that nobody controls. It's the only one that a group of people can't get together and change it and increase the supply. It's very much like if you took the properties of gold and you digitized it. It's very much like digital gold, Bitcoin is. However, all the other cryptos from Ethereum, which is the number two crypto on down, there's tens of thousands of these things. Uh, they're more like digital frequent flyer miles or digital arcade tokens. There's a group of people that can get together and change the supply and change the rules. So they're not really that interesting to me. Um, and they're also not equity. So if they're not good money, they're certainly not good money. The other cryptos, I, for that very basic reason I just uh, explained, there are also people think, oh, well, it's like investing in a startup or it's like a, you know investing in a tech company. It's really not either because... Uh, the other cryptos are not like equity. Well, what is equity? Equity is an ownership stake in a business, an ownership stake in an enterprise. Are these crypto tokens an owner, a legal ownership stake in anything? No, they're not. Uh, what are they? They are tokens, and they call themselves tokens. And what do you think is a characteristic of a token? It's like an arcade token. Uh, you can create them. A centralized entity can create them uh, at will. Uh, they give you no ownership stake. Uh, I mean, you know, some of the people buying these crypto tokens, you know, it would be as if you bought uh, Chuck E. Cheese arcade tokens and thinking you're getting equity in the underlying Chuck E. Cheese corporation. So people are really confused about this. And, but Bitcoin is different. Bitcoin is absolutely different. Bitcoin is a revolutionary, uh, in my opinion, revolutionary improvement in money. Because what you have is you've taken the properties of gold and digitized it, basically. And that is a very, very uh, important uh, thing because there's nobody that can make more Bitcoin. Uh, Elon Musk can't do it. The Chinese government couldn't do it. The U.S. government couldn't do it. Even if they all got together, they couldn't do it. That's pretty remarkable. Um, Bitcoin works in a decentralized fashion, so there's nobody in charge. There's nobody, no CEO to arrest or pressure. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, I could talk about Bitcoin for days and days, but it, it, the bottom line is, is that Bitcoin is the only one that matters, and it really is a revolution in, um, 
in money because it really it takes the, the properties of gold and digitizes it and really allows people, anybody in the world who has a smartphone, which even people, poor people in Africa have smartphones, to access this digital gold. It, it's, it's really fantastic. But it's very, it's very early and it's, very, uh, it's still widely misunderstood. Uh, and it's also very volatile. It's an extremely volatile uh, asset, but I think nonetheless it's 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 interesting and uh, it's definitely worthy of a small uh, portion. Or it depends, you know, everybody's situation is different. But I think you know everybody should take a hard look at it. Yeah, I had a question uh, going back to uh, the uh, bullion, the bullion coin, uh, coinage, and all that. Uh, in terms of investment metrics. Uh, what would that? What does that look like? So, uh, you know, this matures. How does that mature? And like, if I were to buy, you know, say five thousand dollars worth worth of uh, gold coins, you know, in uh, twenty years. I mean, do we? Is there a uh, a, a standard answer for that? Or uh, is that? And does that square well with like uh, uh, standard IRAs and stuff like that? Well, yeah, you know, the thing is, is that it's not, gold is just, it's just money. It's not an investment. It's just money. It's just savings. So it's not going to give you a, a yield, a dividend or anything. It's just a, it's just savings. So I would say gold, what at minimum it should do is preserve your purchasing power. At a minimum, it should. It should grow it, uh, I, I would think too. But I think at, at a minimum, you're, you are protecting yourself from currency debasement over the long term, because nobody can just create arbitrarily create uh, more gold. It takes a lot of work. It's very expensive to make more gold. So I think that is the metric you should look at. Uh, it's a very conservative metric. Uh, and it, you know, if you're interested in gold, you know, gold stocks are a different category than gold bullion. They, that that would be a way to invest, but though they're very volatile and maybe not the most uh, safe things but uh, you know they are they are an interesting way to play the gold trend uh, and yes there are certainly ways you can invest in physical gold with an IRA absolutely you can do that um, it's it's a little bit more complicated but it's totally doable and uh, actually it's not that complicated so it's 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 I, I think yeah saving gold in your IRA is a, is a great uh, great way to, to uh, preserve your purchasing power in an uncertain time Getting back to Bitcoin, I, I, I saw this article, um, I can't remember if it was on Zero Hedge or some of these other um, sites, but there was talking about the, the fact that um, there's, there's, there's folks that are, uh, I guess, volunteer, if you will, uh, to sort of maintain the uh, code um, for Bitcoin. And so they go in and they just kind of make sure that uh, the maintenance is kept up on the uh, the programming. So, um, you are you familiar with that? I mean, it kind of because the, the article almost made it suggest that these six people um, could, could kind of control Bitcoin and can manip manipulate Bitcoin. Um, but everything else that I've written on Bitcoin says that that's not really the case. That um, the algorithm is sort of set, and the way Bitcoin works is really can't be messed with too much. No, I, it, this is a misunderstanding, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, it, Bitcoin is a software. It's an open source software, which means anybody can look at the code. Uh, they can maintain it. But to really change it, it's not it, how it works is like this. Anybody can run Bitcoin, the software, which is the, the beauty of it. It's it's uh, uh, you don't need a supercomputer. Any average computer can do it. Any little Raspberry Pi, which is a little tiny computer, even cell phones can run the Bitcoin code. Um, and if, if you really uh, wanted to change it, you kind of have to get everybody to change it uh, at the same time. To all of these people, that, that's very difficult. So those six people don't control it. So what they could do. Yes, they could change the code. They could, but that doesn't mean it will be adopted. It's, it's, let, me, let me make a comparison. It would be as if you have uh, some guys who change the rules of chess so that pawns can go backwards. Anybody could do that. I could do it. I could make my, I could call it chess 2.0. 
but is that going to catch on? It's probably not going to get the same network effects as Bitcoin, as, as uh, the original chess. Likewise, somebody could change Bitcoin. Anybody can change. I could change it. I could change it in five minutes if I wanted to. But it wouldn't actually. It would just. It would be like changing. It would be like making a new version of chess, so to speak. So that's how Bitcoin works, and that works because it's decentralized, because everybody is running the software that uh, they can choose to run. So they, everybody chooses to run the, uh, the Bitcoin software. So if somebody wanted to change it, they could say, you know what, I'm going to change Bitcoin to increase the money supply of Bitcoin. It's like, okay, fine, but nobody's going to go along <laughs> with your, your change. So the power of Bitcoin is in its use. This is what's different than, from Bitcoin, also from all the other cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin, the power, the sovereignty is with the users of Bitcoin, not with the developers. The developers cannot just change Bitcoin and expect the users to adopt it. That is actually not true with every other crypto. They can, the developers have the sovereignty. They can just change it whenever they want. Bitcoin is different because it's genuinely decentralized in the sense that the users have the power to choose uh, what version they want to use. So that is, that is um, uh, you know, it, it, that, it, look at Bitcoin right now. It's, it's, uh, I'm looking at it. Its market capitalization is $664 billion. Uh, that's a pretty big uh, bounty in case somebody found a way to to change it. That's a lot of money if there's somebody who'd figure out a way to, you know, manipulate it or change it. But so far, Bitcoin was launched, I think, in, in 2000, the earlier part of 2009, and uh, nobody has been able to do it. And it, that's not just a, a coincidence, uh, because the Bitcoin software is, like I said, it's open source. Anybody can see it. Anybody can examine the code and try to hack it or play with it, as, as, and they've had plenty of time to do so. Um, it doesn't mean they can't do it, but um, out of all of the, the uh, cryptocurrencies and all the other computer systems, I, I actually have a quite fair deal of confidence in, in Bitcoin that it won't be changed. So uh, explain to us the keys. So I, I mean, I, I hear people say, talk about, too, you know, if you don't own the keys, you don't own, own your coin. Yes, that is absolutely true, uh, it, because Bitcoin works with, uh, with cryptography. Cryptography is a very fascinating field. Uh, it actually, uh, there's a big history to it, too, because the U.S. government used to consider cryptography a, a munition, like a, a weapon. And if you distributed cryptography, they would treat you as an arms trafficker. And uh, there are several cases in the 1990s where they did that with these coders and these developers who developed very strong cryptographic systems, and they were investigated as armed traffickers, if you would uh, believe that, but they were. And actually, uh, they won their court cases because uh, they made the argument that uh, cryptography is computer code, and computer code is just speech. So what they did is they took their cryptographic code and they printed it on T-shirts and printed it in books, and they said, look, this is the United States. We have something called the First Amendment that guarantees freedom of speech, you can't prohibit us from publishing books. And actually, the courts agreed. They, they agreed with the developers, and they said, you know what, you're right. Cryptography is protected as speech under the First Amendment. Very, very important uh, uh, precedent that was set in the 1990s. That set the stage for Bitcoin. So what is cryptography? Cryptography, or specifically public key cryptography. There are, uh, you can think of it as, as um, like, uh, there are two keys. So the, the public key is kind of like uh, what you can show to the world. So if somebody knows that's you, they, they, that's identified as you, but your private key allows you to uh, sign a message with the public key that says that you are the owner of that public key and nobody else is. So it's, it's, it's a... And a very important thing, because it shows that you own the asset. So if you have a Bitcoin that's associated with a public key, the, the uh, accompanying private key gives you the authority to spend that, that money. And the way that works is through, uh, you know, cryptography and mathematics that, uh, that can prove that. So uh, what, what they say when, you, when, you wanna, when they say about holding uh, Bitcoin, holding the keys to your Bitcoin, which is absolutely important, um, it means that you, 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 your software, because you can get different wallets, have the cryptographic keys, and nobody else has those cryptographic keys, which means that you are in control of those funds and nobody else's. So, for example, if you buy Bitcoin on a large exchange like Coinbase, 
and you just hold it on Coinbase, well, you don't really own the cryptographic keys. Coinbase owns the cryptographic keys. So what you want to do is you want to withdraw that Bitcoin off of the exchange into a private wallet that you and only you control the cryptographic uh, keys. And that's a very, very important distinction because we've seen so many uh, uh, tragic cases of these custodians uh, stealing people's money, going bankrupt. We know this happened with FTX. FTX was practicing uh, fractional reserve Bitcoin. So what banks do in, in the traditional financial system, they were doing with Bitcoin. The problem is, is that well, they can't really fractional reserve Bitcoin because there's no entity that can create more Bitcoin. That's why fractional reserve banking works in the traditional uh, banking system is because standing behind them is the Federal Reserve with the money printers. So if they get into trouble, they can always just create more dollars out of thin air to bail everybody out. With Bitcoin, there is no money printer. There is no central entity to bail everybody out. So when you practice a Ponzi scheme, as FTX was doing, then the whole thing just collapses when people start to withdraw. And that's exactly what happens. So I highly, highly recommend uh, owning Bitcoin only uh, off of the exchange and in, uh, in, a, in a wallet where you control the keys. This is, this is somewhat, uh, it's not as complicated as it sounds. And I do sell a, uh, a guide on my website, Financial Underground, on how exactly to do this and sort of the best uh, practices on how to do this too. But I think that's the very, very crucial point. Um, so that kind of rolls into my next question, which is, you know, you hear a lot of things um, being said uh, about uh, the future of money, uh, especially the dollar, um, centralized bank digital currencies, sort of the CBDC um, is almost like the uh, various governments are, are trying to get into the cryptocurrency market. Um, tell us about that and, and how does how does Bitcoin um, sort of fit into this this uh, this whole CBDC uh, concern? Well, they they might sound like they're similar, but they're quite frankly completely different things. Uh, CBDCs are uh, horrible, actually. They're, I think they're terrible, and I think they should be. Uh, not allowed in a free society. This is something that China has, and you know uh, the Chinese Communist Party uses it uh, as sort of a tool to uh, enforce a social credit system. So if a CBDC comes, you can be damn sure that a social credit system and all the kind of horrible things that totalitarian uh, things will follow, it, it really should not be allowed to happen. Um, nonetheless, there are people pushing for this very hard. But this is very different than Bitcoin. Bitcoin, nobody is forcing you to use Bitcoin. If you don't want to use it, you don't have to use it. It's just a new form of money that has kind of emerged on the market. And this is a new thing that uh, we, we haven't seen this, you know, I don't even know when the last time there was a, like a new in innovation in money. This is a very historical thing. It's a new money that has gone from being worthless uh, you know, in 2009 to now it's worth over 640 something billion dollars and going to continue to grow, in my opinion. Um, so uh, Bitcoin doesn't have any of this uh, social credit or totalitarian. It's actually freedom money. It, it really allows individuals to exercise total sovereignty over their money, total control uh, without any third party. It's very liberating. So uh, CBDCs and Bitcoin couldn't be more different. Okay, so yeah, so anyway, I'm, I think we've we talked about bullion, we talked about gold, we talked about silver, yeah, uh, we've talked about uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Kind of sets the table up. Um, uh, is there any? There. Yeah, is there anything else uh, out there, Nick, that you, uh, you know, that's, that's caught your eye that you think is safe and um, and where do you kind of see things going in the next maybe ten years as far as like with money? Yeah, you know, it's going to be a volatile time because um, uh, the mon monetary system that we have now really is only has been around since 1971. Uh, the fiat monetary system that is that is people kind of think it's a permanent fixture of the universe. It's, it's really not in historical terms. Uh, it's actually kind of an aberration because for most of human history, we've used gold as money. Uh, and it's only been for the past 50 years or so that we've used this uh, unbacked paper. 
Um, so I think that system, I think that will come to an end. I think that system is coming to an end. And I actually think these CBDCs are kind of a, a desperate Hail Mary to try to save uh, this, this system. So I think eventually uh, uh, governments are going to be forced uh, to have to go back to a harder money, a better form of money, because people are going to demand it. Nobody is going to want to use uh, a currency that's going to be continually debased. And I think the U.S. dollar is, I, it's, it's really sad, but I, I think it is because of all the, the spending. And I, I always tell people to put this into context. We hear the word trillion. Trillion is an enormous number. It's just thrown around casually these days. Uh, but I always put it into perspective. If you earned uh, $1 per second, 24-7, 365, that would give you about $32 million a year. Uh, and if you earned if you earned a dollar a second, 24-7, 365, it would take you 32,000 years to make $1 trillion. So if you earned $32 million a year, you'd have to work for 32,000 years to make a trillion dollars. It's a sound, it's, it's a mind-bending uh, amount of money. It's just un almost unfathomable about how much a trillion is. And we're throwing trillion here, a trillion there. Th that is that is not good. And, and you know, if you look at um, uh, countries throughout history, the, you know, the Roman Empire, they all, uh, a big part of their downfall was uh, was mismanagement of the public finances. And I, I fear that this is the direction uh, that the U.S. is going in. How very prescient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. How, what better way? Uh, and, and, uh, you know, Hey, uh, as we face something like that, uh, you know, this is like we say a clarion clarion call for, uh, you know, our listeners to, you know, uh, be good investors and take some of these, uh, hard earned lessons, you know, free lessons, you know, this would, Normally, we would, uh, I would imagine I'd get with you, Nick, and it would cost me a pretty penny to get all these insights. Uh, and uh, there's probably volumes of material you just laid out for us. So just it would be uh, behoove us to you know, take some of those wise gems and put them into practice. Yeah, well, I'm happy to share this information uh you know i'm passionate about it i find it interesting and um yeah i mean we're going through a historical period we really are uh and so we're going to see i like to get back to your other question i think we're going to see a transformation in the monetary system mm -hmm. um in the next 10 years as as these um unfortunate trends uh you know they're going to have to be resolved one way or another and um so i think it's going to be a very dangerous time but i think you just go back to that basic concept of understanding what money is and where you want to save your money in in something that somebody else cannot create easily i think that's a very important just basic concept nick how uh, how do people get up with you and if they they want to delve a little deeper into this maybe they need some help uh, navigating uh, these these crazy uh, financial and economic times we're finding ourselves in because I, I, I'm like you I, I think I think things are going to get worse um, you know next year the year after um, and so I think you know you really don't you really can't afford uh, to really put this off you really need to start kind of leaning um, in that direction of, of of being prepared for what's coming financially uh, this isn't your grandparents uh, world anymore. Um, we, you really need to be thinking about uh, being prepared for uh, what's coming and, and the, the monetary system uh, that's that's getting ready to change. So how, how do people get up with you and, and if they need help, um, you know, they can find it? Certainly. Well, the best place you can find uh, my uh, work and information and research is at financialunderground.com and specifically as it pertains to uh, – uh, these things. I have a nice uh, free uh, PDF guide that people can uh, download that uh, looks at, at some of these uh, these issues, in particular about uh, the gold bullion and where to buy it and, and so forth. And I also have a, a premium uh, Bitcoin guide that offers, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, can be kind of complicated, but I've kind of, uh, I've studied Bitcoin for many years. So really this Bitcoin guide is something I've distilled many years of study 
into that explains it in, in, in very easy and plain uh, language that anybody can understand and also shows you uh, how, how, to, uh, how to use it in the most uh, sovereign way and uh, way possible. So it, it, there's you know, hundreds of Bitcoin wallets and different software out there. So I've sifted through that and, and really got to the, through, the, to the, uh, through all the noise to the pure signal. Um, so I think that guide will really, if people are interested in Bitcoin and, and understanding you know, where cryptocurrency and how Bitcoin fits in and how they can uh, use Bitcoin and how to get it, uh, this, is, uh, this is, I think, a, a very helpful guide for, for those people. Yeah, Nick, thanks for uh, giving us a clue today. Uh, and for those who didn't catch it, it's uh, financialunderground.com. Uh, Nick, uh, there's so much to learn. Uh, and in the coming days, uh, you know, I, I think you've laid out, uh, in fact, the first uh, slide on your website, it really gets your attention uh, to the, uh, you know, explosion of inflation. And uh, so this is, uh, this is a good time to, to wake up and get smart about your financial investment for yourself or your family uh, to be responsible and not, not just be a clone and kind of just go along droning with the, with the herd. So I, I appreciate your time that you spent with us today, Nick. And uh, uh, for those out there, go to the, go to the website. There's a lot to learn there. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander podcast. If you enjoy our unique content, please consider supporting our sponsors. Soft News provides special operations news from around the world. It's where Paul and I go to keep abreast of what's going on within the soft community. Check them out at soft.news. American Partisan is the vanguard movement of Western civilization. Be sure to check them out at AmericanPartisan.org. And, of course, Blacksmith Publishing. We've been serving the warrior class since 2013. They have a great titles written for warriors, by warriors. If you're looking for uh, excellent reference material or just want to enjoy a great novel, be sure to check out the bookstore. Or if you enjoy hanging out with warriors, come spend some time with us in the G-Base over at the Pinelander Podcast. All that's at blacksmithpublishing.com. Until our next meeting, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. May God continue to bless Pineland.